0: Really quick before we get started, this episode was recorded on Skype, and this is part of my initiative to try and open up the ability to record in multiple different ways with multiple different people from places that are not just in New York City in my apartment. And Skype is not perfect, and the audio quality on this episode is not great, but the content is so good that I really wanted to make sure that you all were able to access it. So thank you so much. Hey everybody so we recorded this episode a little while ago but it's taken me some time to edit it and um we're now in the middle of a global pandemic uh i honestly have had a hard time just getting episodes done because i've been working on a lot of different projects and they've been amazing and unfortunately scowl one of the projects that we have been promoting and talking about and uh, hopefully you're familiar with had to be postponed that is what that is, but um, I'm looking forward to adding a number of new episodes. Thank you all to those who have stuck with me and stuck with the show. You are probably familiar with this. We had This happened to us last year is, uh, pretty much at the same time during production of Generation Lazy, and it means so much to me that you stay with us. Uh, honestly, I talked about trying to figure out a way to uh, just limit a lot of the stress on me, especially as the sole producer of Is It Transphobic. Uh, But yeah, sometimes it's tough. And again, I just am so thankful for all of you for sticking with us. That said, this interview, I'm so excited about it. Uh, This is an interview I did with my good friend Morgan, and they are a horror expert. They do a lot of uh, work in horror, specifically diversity horror. Um, And I, I am looking forward to releasing a lot of new episodes because it's something that we can do during this time, but it is a thing that uh, I really do need to sit down and think about how to make this podcast work consistently. And as a result, it means that I don't know if I can commit to doing two episodes a month. Uh, I'm going to try, I'm going to push for that, that's the goal. But there might be months where there are no episodes, there might be months where there are three episodes, there might be months where there's an episode. And part of that is because I don't make enough money off of the podcast and I need to focus on places that will pay me money. That's just how it is. Uh, For those of you that support our Patreon, thank you all so, so much. It really does make this a lot easier, but, um, I mean, it's definitely not enough that I can quit any of my day jobs. Uh, That's just the reality of it. So, thank you all so much. Please enjoy this episode. Please enjoy the episodes that we're going to be putting out. We're talking with a lot of really cool people. uh, And we're still looking at new ways to make the podcast work in some tangible fashion so that we can keep releasing regular episodes but um yeah thank you all hello my name is ashley lauren rogers i use she her or they them pronouns and today i'm being joined by
1: morgan payne and i use they them pronouns
0: yay yeah so morgan so morgan we uh we watched insidious one and two Yep. and <laughs> so <laughs> First, before we get into Insidious 1 and 2, uh, because I, I feel very betrayed by Insidious, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> uh, I tell the listeners a little bit more about you and specifically uh, the blog that you run. operate.
1: Right? Yeah, um, so I run a blog called Diversity Horror. Um, you can also find me on Twitter at Diversity Horror. And basically, I just focus on horror fiction written by, for, and about um, minorities. So, like, natives, black people, people of color, people that are, like, LGBTQ, people with disabilities. Um, Since I'm non-binary and I'm biracial, uh, it's really hard for me to find representation in any media. Um, but I have a special love for horror, so I decided to focus on that and just try to find uh, diverse works in horror fiction. Um, but I also write a little bit about representation in horror, just general representation, um, including an article I did uh, for Morbidly Beautiful about transphobia in horror. So this is like right in my wheelhouse.
0: Yeah, now, and that, because I remember <laughs> that, uh, that article. Uh, it, it was like a very long. It was very well executed. It was very well put Thank together. It was just like there's, there's a lot in it, and I think that particularly, like, why do you think people? Why do you think people have transphobic issues in horror? Like, why do you think that is such a an easy target?
1: Well, I think horror is a reflection of society's fears. Um, which, on one side, it's one of the reasons that. Like oppressed groups traditionally really like horror. Um, But on the other hand, when you have like white cis hat, like people making horror, uh, there's a lot of horror that's about fear of the other. Um, And people tend to fear anyone that's different from them. So I think that, for example, trans people are just a really easy target for like transphobes. Um, And you kind of see like, in the 50s, horror, when people were afraid of, like, minorities, um, you kind of see that in, like, invasion films. There's also been um, suggestions that, like, zombie films are, like, a fear of, like, immigrants and minorities. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah, I think that we see so much transphobia in horror. It's because, like, so many people are scared of trans people for some reason. Um, and I think that also feeds the horror movies again feeds into other people's perception of trans people because you see, uh, you know, Buffalo Bill and Silence of the Lambs, and then you're thinking, oh, trans people are like weird and predatory cross dressers who want to go into our bathrooms and rape cis women. And it's like, no, that's not true at that's all. It's
0: not. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. No, and because and we've, we've discussed uh, in the past, we've discussed Silence of the Lambs, we've discussed Psycho, we've discussed Sleepaway Camp. Uh, we're basically checking off all of the boxes
1: that we can. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I actually, in prepar- preparation for my article, I watched like 40 or more horror movies Mm-hmm. There's a lot of transphobia. I mean, people know the big ones that you just mentioned, but there's like so many.
0: Um, what are some deep cuts? What are some things that people—not that like my audience is gonna go out and watch all of the transphobic horror, but like yeah. So what are what are some deep cuts? Uh, what are some things that maybe my audience, if they hate themselves, would want to sit down and watch?
1: <laughs> okay. Well, let's see. There's Texas. The one of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequels, I think it's called the Next Generation, um, and for some reason Leatherface wears a dress and pearls for most of it. Do you think uh, that might X-
0: be the whole like leaning into all the the speculations on Ed Gein and all of that, or do you think it's just oh, sort of like...
1: definitely, definitely? Okay. Um, yeah. That one's actually it's so ridiculous. It's kind of funny. So if you want to hate watch <laughs> it, like, um, it also in Dreams, which. Actually has Robert Downey Jr. as the killer.
0: I feel like I remember that one, but I, like, what is, wait, what is In Dreams? Wait.
1: Okay, so it's a it's really strange movie. It was directed by Neil Jordan, who's also the guy who directed Crying Games. So he already uh. has a kind of transphobic <laughs> past. Um, <laughs> so Robert Downey, he plays Vivian, uh, who's a serial ki- killer who murders, like, young girls. He's trying to create like a perfect family. Um, and for some reason they made the killer like wear dresses again. Like a lot of these horror movies, they just have the killer wear dresses for no discernible reason. Mm. Just to be creepy. And it's like that literally serves no purpose whatsoever.
0: Hmm. Well, speaking <laughs> of that <laughs> let's yeah. chat about in let's chat about insidious.
1: <laughs> All right. Yes. In, oh my <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: talk about insidious for a while because uh I, I i met you earlier i feel betrayed by it yeah because uh, i watched the first one and i loved it like i remember i didn't watch it when it came out i watched it as it came on like hbo or something and the style was really cool i thought the storytelling was interesting i hadn't seen a lot of uh, movies that specifically focused on astral projection. Uh, by the way, spoiler alert, we're going to be talking about Insidious and Insidious 2. Deal with it. Um, so, yeah, like I, so for me, it just it felt like a breath of fresh air. And it really kind of got me on to looking at uh, James Wan's work as like, oh, I, this is a person I need to keep watching. And then Insidious 2 happened.
2: <laughs> yeah
0: because i feel like the first one as far as like transphobia it's not there i could be wrong i could be misremembering from what i had seen but like as i remember it the first one the lady in black because that's who we're talking about is this character that gets known as the lady in black uh um, bride,
1: in black.
0: bride in black that's right no lady in black is a completely different movie
1: <laughs> yeah. well, also a good horror movie but yeah i like that movie. i like that <laughs> one too yeah
0: the Bride in Black, the B&B, uh, is just this uh, figure in the first movie who is, is hinted at as having a malevolent, almost parasitic relationship with uh, the main character, or the main character, yeah, the main character, because that's the father. Um, and you don't really know a lot about them not learn about them, so the second movie. Second movie is just garbage.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really liked the first movie too. Um, I watched it and um, I was like, "Oh, this is like fun, goofy horror movie. You know everything I love." And I watched the second one. I was like, "Oh no, this is not good." <laughs> um, but I actually, in preparation for this um, interview, I rewatched both the movies. And I noticed something interesting in Insidious 1, that it's very low key and you wouldn't notice it, like, unless you're looking for it. But there is some, like, really mild homophobia going on. Yeah. And, like, really reinforced, like, traditional gender roles.
0: Mm-hmm. In in what way? Because I, I didn't pick up on it. But then again, like, it had admittedly it's been a little while since I watched it, so.
1: Right. Um. So I actually watched it yesterday. Um. <laughs> And I was noticing that so the main antagonist um, for people who don't remember in the first movie is the lipstick-faced demon. It's the demon that kind of looks like Darth Maul, and he is after the the protagonist's child. Um, so I, I was watching it, and I was like, "Huh, the demon's kind of queer-coded." Mm. Like we see him, he's like when he's hanging out in the further, which is where the dead live i guess you see him and he's like prancing around and he has like all these sewing machines and he kind of has a lot of like stereotypical gay mannerisms <laughs> and even the name the lipstick face demon and it's not like as blatant as in like disney movies for example <laughs> but, <laughs> i was like oh he's kind of clear coded. i didn't even really notice that the first time but now that i'm seeing it i'm like yeah <laughs> Um, The other thing I noticed was there's a lot of reinforcement of traditional gender roles in the first movie, which I thought was interesting. Like, uh, Renee, who is Rose um, Burns' character, Mm -hmm. Um, she's a stay-at-home mom, and she's got a creative job, and she takes on the majority of the child care while her husband, like, goes to work, and he doesn't really help with the kids that much. Mm. Um, And she's the emotional one she's the one who picks up on the spirits and um is like hysterical trying to protect her kids whereas josh who's played by patrick wilson um he's like shown as being the more logical rational one and he thinks she's just being hysterical um so that was something like I hadn't noticed the first time, but they kind of have this more traditional marriage. So the husband works and is rational and logical and she's emotional and stays at home with the kids. Mm. And if you look at the kids' rooms too, like Dalton, the son, his room is very blue and it's covered in like trucks and boats and very traditional masculine kind of interests. Mm. Whereas his little sister Callie, her room is like bright pink and everything she owns is pink and frilly and white um and then like elise um who's the the psychic she's the one who's shown as being the more emotional nurturing one whereas her assistants bex and tucker they just handle all the technical stuff but they're kind of like awkward when it comes to any kind of like emotional bonding which i will
0: also admit it felt almost like two completely different movies once tech people show up
2: yeah like,
0: i don't know it's weird like I'm try- i've am i been trying to put my finger on it because like i know i've been going on and on about bong joon ho and how much i really love his movies because they just change on a dime this one doesn't do that but it's just, it just feels like a completely different movie when the tech people show up and the psychic shows up
1: she's oh, yeah. <laughs> like what, what? like <laughs> really? yeah they're, they're
0: they're funny
2: but yeah
1: they're definitely kind of they, they remind me of someone who would, like, show up on the Big Bang Theory. <laughs>
0: yeah, actually, yeah.
1: <laughs> and it was, like, awkward, like, kind of sexist guy. <laughs> so, yeah, when I, I was rewatching the first one, I was like, hey, there's, like, all this stuff I didn't even pick up on. Okay, I can totally see why they would make, like, the gender non-conforming person the villain. Mm. They're, they're very yeah. about, like, traditional gender roles. And, and
0: I think a lot of, um, like, and just to be clear, just because you uphold a lot of things that could be considered a traditional gender role doesn't mean that's bad, et cetera, et cetera. Or, and exactly. it could be, yeah, and it could be setting up something. But unfortunately, when you reinforce all of that and then have queer coded villains, it's like, okay well we're showing the stasis and stasis means hetero and absolutely falling in line with uh, gender expectations and it's just like that's stasis what needs to happen after that stasis and that change that has been made has to be positive towards the queer community or else it's literally just saying you are ruining you are ruining straight society by queering it up
1: <laughs> yeah basically and there's even a joke in the second movie like um it's Specs and Tucker and I think like it Specs is like excited about something and he pats Tucker on the knee and then he leaves his hand there and like Tucker glances at it and it's supposed to be like a joke that it's like oh my god guys are touching each other that's weird.
2: Mm.
1: And I'm like that's not funny why would like men can be affectionate with each other like
2: <laughs> Yeah,
0: I mean yeah, I guess that was funny in the year 2000 and even then it wasn't, it was still very toxic, but sure we laughed about it back then
1: Yeah, and they like... even make another joke in the second movie with um, they're like in the Brian Black's room and they're like, oh, there's too many girly things for like a boy's room and Sex is like, oh, he, look he has a dollhouse, boys don't have dollhouses and Tucker's like, oh, I had a dollhouse and again, that's supposed to be a joke Yeah <laughs> Like, that is not funny <laughs> <laughs> so in a dollhouse who cares
0: yeah and plus like and i i will admit i have a uh friend from back home uh who was who is still a cis male we're not necessarily friends anymore but like who was a cis man and he had a dollhouse because guess what, you can create entire stories with your GI joes in that dollhouse <laughs> like
1: oh yeah, my brother and i used to like play with a dollhouse it's like they're Toys don't have a gender. It's, they're not gendered. It's... Yeah, people, but people again, this movie was kind of reinforcing that idea. Yeah.
2: So
0: let's talk a little bit more about uh, the Bride in Black as we learn more about this character in <laughs> Insidious 2. The the major thing that I picked up on is... like So first off, while we're talking about the Bride in Black, we're either going to refer to the character as the Bride in Black... Or the character's name is Parker. And we're going to refer to Parker as he, him. Uh, and I'm, I'm making that specific choice because he was, he essentially like fought very hard to be a man. He is a man. He just happens to also be a cis man who is being forced to live as a girl by his mother, <sighs> which has a whole lot of other things to it.
2: Yeah. But- <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I'm just, uh, I'm just I'm so sick of this trope I'm so sick of this trope especially because this uh, the thing I just described I am sure audience members because as I was writing it I was having the feeling could feel like oh I can identify with this and then it's just like oh yeah I'm being forced to be in this box because of this and the other thing and because my parents are forcing me to be in this this gender box but then it's like oh but you know, then he was a murderer and then he also was like like because of that it fucked him up and now he's even in spirit form, he's in a, he's in a black wedding dress. And it's just like
1: Yeah. <sighs> if forcing a kid to live as the other gender, like made them a murderer, then like literally every trans and non binary person would be a murderer. But yep. that's not yeah. <laughs> that's not what happened. So.
0: <laughs> I will make the case there are people that will probably make the case that that is absolutely true. But at the same time, fuck those people.
1: Fuck <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, exactly. those <laughs> Um And the, like, it's weird. cause like that whole trope comes from, there's like a few serial killers and that they base that on. And I just want to point out, serial killers are extremely rare. Mm. So it's kind of ridiculous that you assume like, like, you base it on this one serial killer and then you assume this is, like, a widespread problem because it's not. So I just want to, like, emphasize that. Um, so they're... Both, it's usually based on Norman Bates. Um, the character Norman Bates is based on, um, Ed Gein. So, interesting, interesting factoid. Um, Ed Gein wasn't actually trans. Um, a lot of people mm-hmm. think that he, like, engaged in cross-dressing... But if you actually read his interview with the police, they're asking him very leading questions. And they're like, oh, did you wear this, like, woman's suit to get off? Did you dress in women's clothes to be your mother? And he's just like, okay, yeah, sure. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I don't think he actually engaged in those. I think the police were just leading him. That's my speculation, but then... He became this really popular character in horror fiction that people would base um, villains off of including the Black Bride. Mm-hmm. And so then it like reinforces the stereotype that like trans people are serial killers when they're technically that I know of there has never actually been a trans serial killer. There's a serial killer who cross dressed, but that that's that's it. <laughs>
0: yeah and yeah ah, yeah <laughs> so with uh, with the bride in black with parker um there's there it just because they went into the details it's not stupid in my opinion <laughs> like yeah if they yeah. just oh, my God. Like, uh, and i will say i absolutely loved parker's mother oh she was pretty awesome <laughs> like she knew she She knew what part she was playing it's like oh oh I'm in sleepaway camp fantastic (laughs) yeah I'm just gonna overdo everything it's like what's this (laughs) what's what does it say there it says Parker that's not your name that's not your name
2: (laughs)
1: And so the thing much. is, they didn't even need to like include the cross-dressing. Like, she was scary enough. Just having an abusive mother is scary enough. There's like no need to include the. You have to be a girl.
0: Yeah, and this and this is what killed the movie franchise for me is that like I was with it in 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 episode one in <laughs> the Phantom Menace, you know. Yeah, uh, I was... <laughs> But I was with it for Original Insidious. And then we get to the second one, and it completely changes everything. And it's just like, I felt betrayed.
1: I know! Uh, it was so fun. And I'm like, this is not a good movie. This is a stupid movie. Yeah. We also don't get to, like, know Parker that well. We learn about his background. Mm-hmm. But I would have liked to, like, get to know him as a person. Like, we know that he was a kid. And he was, like, a good kid. And his mother forced him to, like, Murder people and abuse him, and then suddenly he's an adult and he's like totally into murdering people. And I'm like, there, it's kind of a jump. Yeah. I kind of would have liked to learn more about that character.
0: I'm not sure if it was just because I was so angry at the movie that I stopped caring, but I just hate finished it. Uh, but like yeah. at one point Parker goes to or Parker at one point uh, Trace, I think it is. Goes to the hospital and sees this old man, and the old man kind of jumps at him and then kills himself. And it's just that you find out that the old man had been trying to mutilate his genitals.
1: And yeah, like, oh, he's trying to what? Ass- himself. Yeah. Which, again, it's the whole like gender reassignment is traumatic. You're cutting off your penis, and oh my God, why would anyone want to do that? And I'm like, that's, that's not how that works. Really?
0: horrifically representing yeah. the trans experience.
1: <laughs> and I know. Those people seem to think it involves that. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, no. like,
0: and, and let's be clear. This is not the trans experience that he has oh. experienced. Uh, but also, this experience is... like, So this experience is not the trans experience. God fucking damn it. I just feel like I just yeah. need to keep saying.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we need to emphasize that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, so... I just, this movie, I, I wanted to have, like, real conversations, and it's just making me angry.
2: So. <laughs> well,
1: um, so another thing I noticed about The Bride in Black, mm-hmm. so when I was doing research for my trans representation of horror article, mm-hmm. um, which goes into a lot of these issues in a lot more detail, um, one of the things I noticed is in horror movies, uh, trans people are either a victim or the, the monster, for lack of a better word. Mm-hmm. They're the killer. Mm-hmm. Um. And in terms of, like, trans monsters, I noticed there's three major categories. Um, One is there are people with mental illness, and that drives them to kill, and it's implied that that's what also makes them trans. Mm -hmm. That's a result of mental illness. Um, There's also the predatory cross-dresser, that's another type, um, which is basically cis men who dress up as women in order to commit crimes. And then the third type you see in horror movies are abuse victims, um, where usually it's a mother, this over-domineering abusive mother, um, abuses this young boy, um, frequently forcing a girl, and that causes him to grow up to be a serial killer who dresses as a woman. Um, and of course, I, I'm saying it's a it's a cis man dressing as a woman because a lot of these movies don't really understand the difference between someone who cross dresses and someone who is trans.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I, I'm just making the assumption that these are cis men um, and that they're just being forced to be this way. Um, but it's it's really hard to determine because like the, the people who wrote the movies obviously can't tell the difference. So.
0: Yeah. And, and we looked at it like uh, when we were doing um, uh, two wang Fu, it was very much that I that same kind of, it's a different style, different tone, different everything type of movie. But with two wang Fu, as much as they're saying the drag queens, drag queens, it's like, okay, well, they're living trans lives. But at the same yeah. time, like, there is maybe difference, but maybe not difference. But these are all, but this is also a script written by not trans people, not drag exactly. queens in that case. And so they're just conflating.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) I hear that. Um, (sighs) (laughs) It's so good and so bad and so everything.
2: Exactly. Um, (laughs) But yeah. Uh, But
1: yeah, the horror, it's just straight up hate. Um, Especially since, like I said, these three types of trans monsters, they reinforce all these stereotypes. Like... There are people who believe that trans people are only trans because they're mentally ill, which is why we have these, like, horrible, like, trans conversion camps and, like, these therapists who are, like, trying to force trans people to be cis. Or they think it's abuse um, that causes people to be trans, which is why, again, you have, like, these therapists who are like, oh, you're only trans because your parents abused you. It's like, no, no. Like no, I mean these two things can be both. And then of course the yeah. last kind, the predatory crossdresser, mm-hmm. which is why we have all these stupid bathroom laws, even though like there has, I think there's only ever been one instance, like in the whole United States, mm-hmm. of like a trans person assaulting someone in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. And that's compared to all the cis people who like insult people in bathrooms like the predatory crossdresser thing is a myth so then horror films like reinforce it and unfortunately the black bride kind of falls into all three categories like he's he was abused which is why he dresses up um he primarily on women he dresses as a woman as a disguise and then preys on women and it's also strongly implied that he's mentally ill because of the abuse he experienced Which, you know, that that's a fun one because it not only like demonizes people who are trans, it also demonizes the mentally ill.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Ah this movie. So Yeah. I think I think with with that heavy sigh, I think it's time to take a quick break. We'll come back, we'll regroup, and then we'll talk about maybe positive steps on how we can create a better horror world for trans people. Welcome back, everybody. So, so we've been talking about insidious and just getting angry. Uh, let's talk about yeah. positive. Uh, First of all, in your research, and I did not prep you with this question, so I don't fully expect there to be an immediate answer. Honestly, I can't think of anything. Have you seen any horror films that have trans representation that is done in a positive way? Uh, Whether they're monsters or whether they're victims, whether they're survivors, like what, is there anything that you've seen that has been positive?
1: Well, there's not a lot, but there are. Are a few. Um, usually it's more movies created by trans people. Mm. Um, like the drag queen, um, she's drag, she's not trans, but um uh the drag queen peaches Christ, she actually makes um a few horror movies that have some pretty good like gender representation in them. Mm-hmm. Um and they'll have like drag queens in it and it's not transphobic. Um, Let's see. What was the other one? Oh, um, so this one, there's another one made by drag queens. And some of the drag queens are themselves trans. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also want to preface this by saying this film was also boycotted by by, uh, Glad for using um, a transphobic slur. Mm -hmm. But again, some of the people who worked on the movie were trans, so I don't really want to make a judgment call there. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a film called, and I apologize for the slur, Ticked off trannies with knives.
0: <laughs> See I want to yeah. watch that but I understand yeah nope I I hear that.
2: Yeah, I'm
1: so...
0: very interested. I think I heard about this. this is uh, one of those um, what is it like a, a like a revenge story right or
1: it, it really is it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of like day of the woman um, these transphobes attack and murder some of their friends and so then the drag queens go after them and kill them. And uh, one of the drag queens is actually a trans woman. Um, You see her, um, she lives 24-7 as a woman. um, And in real life, the actress is a trans woman who started out as a drag queen um, and still does drag performances. Um, So I have mixed feelings about that film, but I'm going to leave that up to the individual to decide Mm -hmm. um, how they feel about it. Mm -hmm. I would probably categorize it as a... Transploitation film.
0: <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to track that one down and see that one. I'm not going to lie. I think it's probably one that I'm going to enjoy, but I'll understand if many members of the rest of my audience is not interested at the very least, just because of the title. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. That kind of like turned me off originally, but then I saw it and I learned more about the background. I'm like, okay, it's, you know, it's being made by drag queens and people who are trans um, I will warn people, there are some racist jokes in it, um, like, I believe one of the Drag queens dressed up is, like, a geisha, mm. um, there's some biphobia and fat shaming in there, so not exactly <sighs> free of problems. That um, drag
0: is a trip. Okay. <laughs> yep. All right. Yeah, Noted. But, yep.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh, <laughs> But I still encourage people to watch it just just to just to see what mm. it's about. Um, whereas most of these movies, I'd be like, don't watch this movie; it's terrible.
2: Yeah, um,
1: I know
0: there's a really good movie, and it is one of those things where it ticks up one of those boxes. Uh, but they have a really good relationship with the actor. Uh, we've had her on the show. Puya, my friend Puya Moseni uh, was in. I believe it's Terrifier. It's the one with that uh, black and white clown. Um,
2: oh yeah. yeah 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 yeah
0: she plays movie. the she plays the homeless woman with the baby um
2: <laughs> and
0: oh yeah no she's wonderful and like th- like she has nothing but nice things to say about the, the movie like everything about the way that like she was treated on the set and like everything That's there good. so like so like it's just, yeah i i basically am just throwing that out there because I think that is a place for trans people in horror. Uh, and I think that it's coming, but at the same time, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. So how can we create positive representation in horror for trans people? That is trans and non-binary people. That is a big question that I'm just throwing at you, Morgan. But feel free okay. to not know the answer that's, to it. That's
1: yet. easy. Let more trans people make horror movies.
0: Oh. That was much easier than what I thought.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, There's already a bunch of good like trans horror fiction. Um, I actually have a list on my website, Diversity Horror. If you're looking for stories that have good trans representation, um, I have a list on there. Um, And they're they're written by trans and non-binary folk and they have good representation. They're good horror stories. So just do that, but with movies like Jordan Peele, his his films were great representation for Black folk because it's a Black man making movies for a Black audience with Black characters, and they're great. Mm. Um, so it's, it's not like this whole complex, like, how do we do better representation? Just let trans people tell their own stories and write horror fiction and make horror films.
0: Yeah. Because I think think the trappings that Insidious is falling into is literally trying to emulate a bunch of horror trope that they grew up with and loved. And again, like I brought up Sleepaway Camp in this. yeah. Uh, And so much of that is because the people that they were uh, poorly or accurately representing were not in the room. And I veer more towards poorly represented, but like the people in there... But because of that, because they weren't in the room, because they weren't allowed to be in the room for whatever reason, uh, it showed up as something that you... Like, it It showed up as a very shitty thing. And as a result, the parts are shitty.
1: So. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That's what happens. You try to represent a group, but you don't know that much about the group, and you don't get any input from them. Like, yeah. Uh, and that's why we've had so many transphobic horror movies because trans people, like you said, they weren't in the room. They're not the ones writing these stories. They don't have, they're not allowed to have any input on these films. Um, so just, just getting trans creators, I think would fix the problem, like help the problem immensely. I don't know if it would like necessarily fix it completely, but.
0: But at least it's a start and you've exactly. got people in the room.
1: So now- one of the
0: arguments that people make in all of these types of movies where the character, it's basically that, well, this isn't a trans person. This isn't uh, a trans, which is a thing that I stated in a positive way before. But it is also the argument that many people use to diminish the fact that when you say this is transphobic, it's like, it can't be transphobic. That person's not trans. Like, what? How do you, how do you respond?
1: Well, first of all, I point out that they're being like those assholes who are like Frankenstein is the mo- is the doctor, not the monster. It's like, yeah, we already know that. You don't need to like be pedantic. Uh,
0: <laughs> not to mention, the monster was technically the son, so also a Frankenstein. Thank you. Yeah,
1: exactly. But yeah, anyway, <laughs> you can also make the argument that the doctor was the true monster. Anyway, yes. Uh- <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're being pedantic, but yeah. So the thing is, like, it doesn't matter they're not actually trans, they're still fulfilling all these trans stereotypes. It's still transphobic. Um, and a lot of people in the audience aren't going to know the difference between someone who's non-binary, a cis person who processes, or a trans person. Like, I, I remember reading the comments on an article, I know, I, don't read the comments, but I guess I'm a glutton for punishment,
2: um,
1: about <laughs> trans women being able to use the women's restroom which a- they absolutely should be able to um, but then you get all these like cis people and turfs and transphobes and whatnot um, commenting they're like oh my god no it's men in dresses and inevitably somebody always references Silence of the Lambs <sighs> and I'm like so clearly people are not understanding that Buffalo Bill was not a trans woman mm-hmm. like The majority of people who saw the film didn't understand that, and they'll refer to trans women as men in dresses and reference, like, Buffalo Bill, or they'll make jokes about Sleepaway Camp. So these films are having a harmful effect on trans people. It doesn't matter if, technically, the character wasn't trans. Like, the filmmakers don't even seem to understand the difference. Why would you expect, like, the audience to understand the difference?
0: yeah. And and even then like Buffalo Bill is a weird case specifically because it is literally like the, the original novel is just fucking garbage. I'm never going to like, I'm going to sit down and read it and everything I've heard, but like the source material it was based on in Buffalo Bill was based around uh, absolutely is just anti-queer, anti-everything. So it's like, okay, you're starting at base. And then Buffalo Bill there's, I hold the, I hold for the opinion Yes, maybe Buffalo Bill might have been trans, but at the same time, like, why is Buffalo Bill also a Nazi? Like (laughs) he he has a quilt with a swastika on it, it's just there to show you that. Like it's there's so many things that don't add up. Just like you just literally wanted to create a monster. So you created a fictional monster. So fine. But like and I'm not saying
1: trans people. Why would you have a trans Nazi? That makes no sense.
0: Yeah. Uh So, uh, but, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no, and yeah. that's all I'm going to say now. Just, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, it's,
1: this movie, um... this movie
0: has broken me.
2: I I think I'm
1: desensitized. Cause, like I said, I watched like 40 transphobic horror films, and I'm just mm-hmm. like shell-shocked at this point, so now nothing phases me. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> It was so bad when I was watching this movie. I binge watched them all at the same time. Don't ever do that. Unless yeah. <laughs> but um the problem with movies like this, Insidious 2, is they they reinforce these stereotypes that any kind of gender non-conformity is bad. Mm-hmm. So even if the character is not technically trans, it's still saying that it like if you don't conform to these like gender like heterosexual gender roles, then you're a monster.
0: Hmm. Now, let me ask, uh, and this is just pure speculation, I haven't been able to find anything that states, yes, they knew 100%. Do you think that this was from like plan from the beginning like is there anything in the universe or the way that was made that kind of made you think like okay they knew where they were going with the characters and they were like building up this universe or was it just like well the first one was great fuck what do we do now <laughs> like,
1: yeah i don't i don't know like i i honestly i think giving them too that's giving them too much credit they plan that far had um i think they knew the black Briar was gonna be the villain i don't know if they actually knew they were gonna make the Black Bride a man. Um, mm-hmm. Again, I, I honestly, I think he's just like, he writes himself this ending and he's like, okay, where are we going to go from there? Um, and the director who, who made Insidious also created the Saw franchise. And in Wait. Saw, I kind of got the same impression that he'd like write himself an ending. And he's like, okay, let's just bullshit from there. I do like Saw, but that, that's definitely like the impression I got. Um, So I I don't know
0: if it was planned. Hold on, I just looking that up because I know the director of Insidious was James Wan. Yeah. Um,
1: Did he create
0: Saw? Saw. Wait.
1: Yeah, he did. He was a storyboard for Saw. In fact, in the first movie, you see um, the the jigsaw puppet, Billy the puppet. There's a drawing of him on the chalkboard in the um, teaching scene, in the classroom scene.
0: He did. Okay, no, I believe you. I was just like, wait, wait. I know, right? No, like I that ah that blew my mind. Okay, yep. <laughs> James is yeah. a complicated filmmaker. <laughs> okay.
1: Oh well, yeah. Go back and rewatch the movie. There's a little Easter egg. There's Billy the Puppet on the chalkboard. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
2: So <that's>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, like I think. With- uh, i don't know if he like planned this whole thing out ahead of time i think he was just like going film by film and be like let's see if we can get another one made
0: yeah well, actually as far as like that attitude i i can't anything other than respect for it it's just like all right fine, yeah get get the money while you can Yeah, uh, but, but at the same time it's just like yeah i think maybe like Based on everything that i've seen like there's a lot that was in place that's like okay we know we want to try and push for another one so we're gonna make that sure we have this other uh undercurrent of the story and it is kind of a creepy story this idea of like this parasitic thing that is like getting closer and closer to uh a child and right yeah it's like oh it got to the got
1: while he was done yeah its the first one is good. I liked it. But then they, and like the idea of the films is good. They just had to throw in this transphobia and there was like literally no reason.
0: Yeah, and I, I wonder, and again, like this is speculation I have not read. In the things that I have read, no one has gotten necessarily to the bottom of like a lot of the inspiration behind The Bride in Black. But uh, ultimately like I wonder if a lot of it is that they had a male actor physically embodying the black and so people might have been calling him out on it or like i don't know it's like or even like because that's a that's a thing in movie monsters for even uh female movie monsters is a male actor might portray that character in the suit because it just makes sense for stature and for etc etc but at the same time and again i'm just speaking on speculation on that it's just okay (laughs) (laughs)
1: well and then and then they made it worse i'd be like no no because it actually was a man i'm like you didn't have to do that it it could have just been a woman and you were just using a male actor Mm -hmm. like sometimes with the costumes you know that's what you have to do like Mm -hmm. i I don't know if this is true but i heard that like in lord of the rings most of the orcs are actually like women in costumes
0: i had heard that as well yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) and just because that like it was easier for the costume department, or something, and I'm like that. That's a totally valid reason. Like... Well, that and that
0: is a thing that, um, especially over here in the U. S. And depending on like regionally, like specifically up here in New York, I have a good friend who is a cis woman, uh, but has the ability to ride horses, and right. it's actually very hard to find people who know how to ride horses in New York. And so they will put a fake prosthesis on her, fake mustache, everything like a big hat to kind of hide her, and ride horses or yeah. like work with the horses in this like ridiculous like mustache that they've <laughs> taped okay. onto her face. Yeah,
1: For like yeah, roles like that. I don't, I don't necessarily think there's anything like wrong with doing that. You know, yeah. Y- 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 if if it's like a specific skill set you need, then you know sometimes it's what you gotta do. But then adding this whole backstory, like to explain why they had a male actor portraying the bride and black, though, they they were fine. They didn't need to add that, and then they just made it like five thousand times worse.
2: Yeah.
0: Like, I I will say the things that I did like about the movie and the first movie and why I was kind of pulled in is because, like, I really liked the way it was shot. I really liked how it was mostly practical effects. I think with everything, everything has, like, at least a little bit of a digital polish. But, like, Mm -hmm. I was looking at a lot of behind the scenes featurettes and all of it was it was all practical effects. And again, there might be some digital polish, but, like, all practical effects were shot um and it just like you can tell you can feel that you can see that and it's just like yeah it's it's a lot creepier when you know it actually exists even if it's like
1: yeah definitely uh, I, I prefer practical effects and horror too yeah
0: so. like that they're they're they just objectively and i'm, I'm saying this subjectively but objectively they're just better but at the same time they're better because they exist in the real world and if it exists in the real world, even if it's not that great, it's terrifying. Whereas uh, a computer will help blend those effects a little bit better, but it's you got to have a combination if you're gonna exactly. use digital.
1: Well, the uh, thing is, one of my favorite horror movies of all time, and mm-hmm. part of the reason is the practical effects. Mm-hmm. I just I love the the um like the monsters they made and the puppets, and it's 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 not perfect, but it's it just looks so good and it's so freaky and I love it. Um, and yeah, I think the first movie, the way it was shot, it was it was beautifully shot. It was, I like the aesthetics. Um, I don't know if I necessarily found it scary, but I did find it a fun horror movie.
0: Yeah, I think I think there's 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 a pressure in horror to be scary all the time, and even if it's just a little tense, even if it's just the concept, even if it's just like, I don't know what's going to happen. So I'm a little bit uneased. It's still a part of horror. And I got that a little bit
1: with the first movie. <laughs> oh yeah, mm. definitely. And they, the second movie. Um, and I admit, I haven't seen the rest of the film franchise. Cause I kind of rage quit after that, but
2: yeah,
1: even like removing the transphobia, it's not as good a film as the first one it does have a few good shots like when they go into that like secret room and they have all the bodies on the benches Mm. um like there there's a few good scenes but for the most part it's just it's it's not as well shot the character design isn't as good Mm. Uh, it's just not as good a movie
0: now remind me again because it's been a little while since I've seen uh, particularly the second one but because he at the very end of the first movie kills the psychic uh, because he's possessed by the bride in black
1: yeah Josh kills uh, the psychic Elaine Yeah. Mm -hmm. he he doesn't make it back to his body in time when he's saving his son and so the bride in black possesses him
0: yeah, like, that's, that's the whole point in this other realm is that these spirits are just trying to find uh, either, like, they're trying to find a living host or they're trying to find, like, feed off the energy of the living. Um, and, like, the the reason I bring this up is because I'm trying to remember, did the police question him?
1: Oh, they did question him. They show up and they question him in the beginning. Eh, but, you know, he's a white guy. so Yeah,
2: like, I, I hate submerged. to say it. But yeah. <laughs> 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 like, oh.
1: Murderer! Um, I don't know. <laughs> well, he plays it off. Like Josh plays it off. Josh possessed by the bride. Like, oh, there's so much craziness going on. We didn't know what happened. And the cop's just like, oh, okay. Um, they do grill the wife and the cop asks her, um, I think her name was Renee. He's like, do you think your husband did this? And she's like, my husband would never do that. And he's like, well, that's not what I asked. Um... <laughs> But she defends her husband, because she's not sure at this point. And then that's the end of it, and you don't see the cops again. <laughs> and I was like, wow, okay. Yeah.
0: I mean, clearly that's, they don't know how to write this aspect of it, and also they just made the body of their main character murder someone. So that's a tough hole to dig yourself out But but... Um, Sure, I guess it's fine.
1: (laughs) Clearly, she was strangled; it wasn't an accident. But they're just like, "Well, I'm bad at my job, okay? You're a white guy, so you can go and whatever. It's fine."
0: And remind again at the like when the when Parker is possessing uh, Josh. Josh never cross dresses, right? Josh never puts on a dress.
1: No, um, but it's also because he's he's pretending to be Josh so that would be a giveaway but um, no even in private he never cross dresses or anything he does talk to the ghost of his mother um, but that's about it (laughs) that's
0: that's another that's another running theme in these Uh, (laughs) um, yeah I guess I guess because you're absolutely right like I think the the, the intent is oh well you know if he if he did it would give away that he's not uh, Josh but also it's just like I don't know it feels very like this movie and how hard they were leaning they would have done it just because they don't understand and it's just like I feel conflicted as to how to criticize this because it's like okay great you didn't do that one thing but also like yeah. mm- well
1: <laughs> it's also kind of unclear whether like um uh, the bride in black uh, whether he was being like Forced to do this by by his mother. Which in the beginning they said he, he was. Mm-hmm. But then he continues to murder people. And it's like, is he still being forced to, like, do it? Or is he just not a good person? Or, like...
0: Like, at a certain point, that's just who you are. <laughs> yeah,
1: I was very confused whether they were, like, saying, oh, the Bright and Black is evil, or oh, no, they're the victim of abuse, or... If yeah. this was, like, a cell situation where, like, the young kid was innocent but the adult was the monster. was another thing. There's, like, a child ghost um, mm-hmm. of this character and then yeah. there's a the adult ghost and I'm like, ah, we've got time travel now.
0: If we kill the mother, then the child won't have been abused. It's like, that's not how time works.
1: <laughs> yeah, and they visit Josh's, like, childhood self and they're like, Josh, show us where we can find the bride. I'm like, why are we why are we time traveling all of a sudden?
2: <laughs> oh
0: okay. So I think that's all I can stomach of this movie. Okay. Uh, yeah oh my god insidious also oh the only other thing is hold on i'm gonna look it up again just to make sure while we're talking i may be misremembering this so i might be eating a little bit of humble pie in a moment but i believe the insignia for insidious uh initially had the s and the i red which means absolutely nothing uh other than yeah it just why is c like why is yes in spanish
1: i don't never, yeah i just google it i'm like oh my god you're right in,
0: in yes Diaz? like what
1: i don't yes yeah right.
0: it's like what are you signifying what are you trying to tell us <laughs>
1: I don't know. it's probably like some super deep meaning or they just thought that it looked cool the designer she's like i'm just gonna make it red
0: well you know we can't just we can't just have it all white that'll be boring it's just like yeah yeah but
2: what is this
1: <laughs> God, or, or maybe they're just like oh it's gonna be like hilarious watching the fans trying to figure this out
0: <laughs> we've got such a deep story they're gonna go in there and be like why see indeed no <laughs>
1: But apparently there's, like, this whole, like, discussion about, like, why it's red. Like, all this debate about it. I'm like, I, I think the designer is just screwing with you guys. But...
0: Yeah, red red is a color of unease. Uh, yeah. When you see it, it, it makes you immediately, like, not necessarily unease, but it's, like, a very uh, attention-grabbing. Uh, and I think that's literally what it is. Like, there's so many stark uh, whites, blacks, and grays, and blues that that red really just...
1: With, Pops. But why would they make those two? <laughs> I <laughs> know! It's just like... It's just, was it like a Sports Illustrated like shout-out? Like, <laughs> <not their> <laughs>
2: You're undercut
0: by Sports Illustrated but they didn't want to be specifically mentioned.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It's... Well, if it's in, then people are just going to think it's insidious and they're going to wonder what Sidious is and why we're in it. Again guess makes sense. <laughs> uh, Insidious, this fucking movie. All right. So, <laughs> <laughs> on the podcast, we add the the normal questions we ask are first whether it was transphobic, whether it was enjoyable. Uh, so, Morgan, tell me, Insidious <laughs> one and two, is it transphobic?
1: Oh my god, yes. Yeah. I mean, two <laughs> definitely. <laughs> Super transphobic. Uh one didn't really have any trans representation. Um I wouldn't call it transphobic, but it reinforces like specific gender norms. It wasn't a good movie. No, it was not a good movie.
0: It was not (laughs) Yeah, I so yes, absolutely it's transphobic. It's honestly it's transphobic conditionally to the fact that the second movie exists. Yeah. Second movie didn't exist, one I wouldn't even question it. We wouldn't have even had this discussion. There might have been a couple of things where it's like, Oh, okay, they're saying that thing. Oh, okay. Like the like especially like a bunch of the stuff that you pointed out, I wouldn't have even looked for. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like but because the second movie exists and it's just like, Well, really shot yourself in the foot there. Yep. Transphobic.
1: Yeah. Uh, And mildly homophobic too. The second one.
0: (laughs) <laughs> it's, hitting, it's hitting all the phobes um are there hold on are people of color in the movie
1: uh, The the uh the cop was black he, oh, okay. was, he was in the movie for like all of two minutes but he existed
0: yeah this movie just like the more the more you analyze it it's created by james wan james Wan's great i love james wan but god fucking damn it james wan uh second movie Again, was it enjoyable? Uh if the second movie didn't exist, I'd say yeah, absolutely. It was a movie I was telling everybody they needed to go see. And then that second movie happened and it was just like, oh,
2: <laughs> ah
1: yeah, I don't think never... one like wrote the movie though. So maybe maybe he was just directed it and not <laughs> <laughs> his idea to be like, "Hey, let's let's add this.
0: like, hey everybody. Uh Maybe one day I'll direct Aquaman, but until then <laughs> here we go. Uh you gotta you gotta you, know, you gotta direct the cards that you're handed.
1: James Bond really thing. likes Patrick Wilson. I can't
2: that out. I, I really stuff.
0: like Patrick Wilson too. I think that's the other positive I will say about this is I love Patrick Wilson, He's so great. He's like, I've I love him in the Conjuring series. I love him. He was he was great in Aquaman. Like I mean, he served his purpose. Like there were definitely more interesting characters in Aquaman, but man, like he did what he had to do.
1: He was doing good. Yeah, he, he goes in, he does his job. But yeah, I just think he's, he's in so many James Wan movies. I'm like, he's like the um, like Tim Burton with Johnny Depp. <laughs> not a like guy who beats a woman. Okay.
2: Tends to be native. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's a fucking,
1: whole other store. That's a
2: whole
0: other kettle of fish. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So now that we've uh, talked pretty much about Insidious, but mostly about just other horror things. that was the real reason I wanted you on here was just to talk about like trans and non-binary representation in horror. Uh, we just needed a lens. Um, so tell people how to find you, find your blog. Uh, what do you what do you want to tell people?
1: Uh, we'll just check out my blog. It's uh, diversityhorror.blogspot.com. Um, and you can also find me on Facebook and twitter at diversity horror um i always love suggestions for uh books to add to my list or to review so if you're a trans or non-binary creator and you're writing a horror book let me know and i'll post it on my website um yeah that's that's pretty much all i want people to know just like to promote diverse horror and good diverse horror not not Insidious 2. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
0: Basically, if you're not writing Insidious 2, then yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, if your book is transphobic, I shall not be posting it. But <laughs> if, if it's got good representation, then yes. I, I would love to share it with my readers.
0: Awesome. Uh, on our end, obviously, you can go to bit.ly slash is transphobic and see all of our episodes that we have posted. Uh, they're posted... I mean, you're listening to it right now, so that's great. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at isitransphobic. Uh, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com/isitransphobic. I'm terrible at Patreon. You know that I love you. You're wonderful. Thank you so much for helping me defer at least some costs so that I can make things happen. Uh, and yeah, thank you all so much for listening.
1: Thank you. Is It Transphobic was produced, edited, and coordinated by Ashley Lauren Rogers.
0: The Is It Transphobic logo was created by Phoenix Sweeney, and you can see more of their work at tinylionroars.github.io.
2: The original music you heard was all created by Vivian Aladrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaladrin.bandcamp.com.